The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. Saturday, April 6, 2019, and you are tuned into a very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented and simulcast on Hami Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On today's show, we're talking TakeOver New York and a whole lot more. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans. Bring you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the show online at hittingthemarks.com and Hameen Media at hackerhameen.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the Gargano to my Champa, the man, the myth, the legend, the foodie, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me, said Order the Feed of Rick Vickery. And I thought I was going to be dragging a little bit this morning. Stayed up till like 4.30, getting caught up on the things that I had missed in the afternoon. Hey, we're a couple days deep into this WrestleMania weekend, but you got to think Friday. That was like the the real marquee, that first marquee day to get everything going. And boy, did it live up to every bit of the hype. You know, what we've been putting over with everyone else on our platforms has been putting over. I don't even, it's not just lived up to it, it it far exceeded any expectation I had across the board. Again, if you're out there, if, if you're listening to us, and the only thing that you're really taking in is we're going to get to Impact, which was an incredible show. That's the only thing you're taking in. You still saw some great action, but you're really doing yourself a disservice if it's just WWE related that you're partaking in when it comes to this festival, festivus of professional wrestling. I have watched so much professional wrestling in the last 48 hours, but particularly the last 24. I watched 11 and a half hours of wrestling yesterday. I I said that on Twitter, and then I hashtagged it WrestleMania training. But, you know, I thought it was uh, fascinating, Rick. I watched 11 and a half hours yesterday, and I wasn't bored. I wasn't bored once. I'm not quite up there with you, but I'm in that ballpark. I'm like in that 9 to 10 hour range right now. And even in certain shows that I didn't really think would be my style, I found some enjoyment. And, and you know, a lot of it is just seeing the audiences. You know, I, I thought everybody, the crowds were so lively and so involved in the right way, you know, where, where they weren't trying to take away from a show. They were adding to it and just the excitement. You could feel that vibe even sitting, you know, all this way, all these miles away watching on a, on a monitor. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the shows that we have watched over the course of the weekend, and then we'll, we'll jump into TakeOver. And I have a crazy analogy that occurred to me as I was watching all these shows. Rick, how did you start your weekend? What was the first show that you watched over the course of this weekend? Well, you know what I really did to get going? I wanted to get myself, because this is, it was, I'm sitting here putting over, there's so much out there. Uh, but the first thing I did is, I'm looking at what is the one thing that I'm least looking forward to on this weekend. And it is the stretch of WrestleMania. 
So I took some time to go back and watch some of my favorite WrestleMania moments to kind of get myself uh, in that zone. Uh, going back to some of the things from my childhood, obviously I'm one of those that, from our group where most of us, we got hooked because of the slam heard around the world. Uh, you know, and then the great matches, you know, mega powers explode, uh, the emotion that was involved there. Warrior going over. I was a little warrior at the time when he went over Hogan in the Sky Dome. The retirement match with Macho. And so, you know, and, you know, that first WrestleMania moment, what, not necessarily, you know, the most memorable, but something that always stuck out to me with Ric Flair's first WrestleMania moment. Uh, so I went back and caught up on those. Uh, then secondly, I went, because uh, I know, you know, I'm, I live here in the, the great hotbed of, of independent wrestling in the OHIO, the great state of Ohio. So I wanted to see where uh, where our talents were going to be at, who was going to be working where. So I guess, you know, the, the first big thing outside of, you know, what we're, we're here to do is talk some NXT, but to put over some of those other big moments. And I think is a name right now that we were talking in the, uh, I was in uh, the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. We're doing so much stuff right now. It's hard to keep track, but we're talking about, you know, what are we going to be talking about Monday after this is all said and done? And I think there's a young lady from Ohio uh, greatly has earned has earned a spot in the early going of headlines, people that we will be talking about on Monday. And this isn't just an observation I've had because I've got to call her matches before. I, I've seen her working for you know almost a decade here, working her way up. But immediately, uh, you you sent me a message. William Alicia sent me a message. Uh, people over at the grill position start asking questions. I bet you about half a dozen people, you know this girl, right? Well, I'm not personally, but you, you know of her work and all this. Uh, and she was work shimmer there. And she works there under uh, Dust or Angel Dust. But she is more commonly known around the indie circuit as Zoe Sky. And I've regularly been putting over her work. And she is someone to definitely keep an eye out for. Would be a tremendous addition to either like WOW or Women of Honor. And she went out there and I think really wowed some people, no pun intended, uh, in her performance yesterday. I started off the weekend with GCW Bloodsport, which, of course, this year had uh, Josh Barnett's oh, name attached to it. Uh, this show was freaking crazy, man. And it, it, it's so cool because, the, the, number one, there's no ropes. Everything is knockout or submission only. It's really kind of that... The, the true hybrid between mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. And there were a couple of matches that I really wanted to see. The match that stole all the headlines was Josh Barnett versus Minoru Suzuki going to a 20-minute draw and then Suzuki demanding five more minutes, which also ended in a draw. That thing was... That's what grabbed all of the headlines. But really, the, what to me was the match of the night was Killer Cross taking on Davey Boy Smith Jr., that freaking match was insane. Davy Boy tapping out Killer Cross, but both of those guys, holy shit. Well, you know, when this thing went down, uh, I'm with you 100%. Uh, this entire event was pretty damn cool. I mean, just the way that it's presented. In my, you know, when I'm sitting there watching this, I'm thinking I could get into this as like a seasonal series with more of that Lucha Underground dramatics with it. And then, and then, you know, then implement the action that we're actually seeing there. Like you said, this is the perfect hybrid. And it's one of those things with how they match them up. You firmly believe. I mean, that cross and that Davy Boy match, that could have been a throwdown in any combat arena, in any version of MMA around the globe. Yeah, that was uh, awesome. Both, they both looked amazing. 
that incredible match worked well together. As you said, it, it, it's really hard to to tell the line between, you know, work and shoot. Yeah, very, very difficult to tell the line. And in fact, I, I'm pretty sure Jonathan Gresham doesn't exactly know where that line is because he got knocked the fuck out. I mean, straight up, he couldn't stand up after that. Well, and, and you go in there, if you know his background, you think he'd be fairly successful in there, but it takes that one shot. And he was. I mean, that that was a really, really good matchup, too. But actually getting to watch these technical wrestlers go out and wrestle a technical mixed martial arts style is fascinating. I, I talked to William Alicia about this show, and I kind of agree with you. Like, I, I love this in theory, and I love the concept, but I'm not sure that I want to watch it more than, like, two, three times a year. Well, that's why, that's why I threw out that seasonal. You know, if you give me like a six-week season, an eight-week season of this thing, and then a break, less is certainly going to be more because ultimately what you're going to do is overexpose it. Yeah. Uh, but in those, in those, you know, those sprints, I think it's something that would be a, a tremendous television. Going back to the show, you know, the show stealer there, Davey Boy and Cross. If you're any other promotion, you know, that's just run run of the mill professional wrestling, I don't, I don't know how you today are not doing everything you possibly can to get that as a marquee matchup for one of your big events. I feel like Davey Boy absolutely raised his stock because he showed more personality in that match, and he's doing a lot of it in MLW as well. But for years, Davey was just that guy that, wow, he's a great talent, but he just needs a personality. And now we're actually starting to see that personality really start to show through. I think these next like three, four years for Davey Boy Smith Jr. could be huge. Well, let me ask you this. How, how do you feel? You know, he's been very vocal on social media, kind of taking shots at at New Japan and how he yeah. is handled over there, pretty much calling it a, a, a joke. Yeah. Um, I, I, is this to create some heat to himself some interest or is this legit? Well, I, I, I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. Um, and, and you know, this isn't a Davy boy Smith thing. This is kind of all of the Gaijin talent with really the exception of the bullet club who is there all the time. Um, even, and even the the American talent, when like Cody was going over, the Bucks were going over. You look at the positions where they were put on the cards, and they were never really in prominent positions. Like the Bucks, yeah, they were seven time IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions. How many Wrestle Kingdoms were they? The curtain jerker. I mean, this is a thing with Gaijin talent inside of New Japan going back for years and years and years. I, I'm not really sure. You, you know, I, I I see kind of both sides of it, really. So, so kind, so so kind of another useless, vicious attack against Vince McMahon, who doesn't understand Japanese talent. But on the other side of the coin, it's not like uh, oh, Whitey's getting ultimate respect over there, although they have won the grand prize in that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and and plus, Davey is treated very much as a tag team wrestler over there, and it's not very often that we see that individual parts of a tag team get any kind of a push inside of new Japan pro wrestling. Uh, now, if they want to split up Davey boy and Lance Archer, and one of them wants to branch off from Suzuki goon, which I would suggest would probably be Davey because Lance Archer fits very, very well with the group. I mean, because that's, that's really what they are. They're a tag team act over there. And we all know like the tag team scene in new Japan is about the same as it is inside of the WWE. It's not really a real thriving scene right at the moment. 
killer elite squad gets rotated in they do their stint and then they go off and they do other things too and i also think part of the focus is okay if if you want to be pushed more inside of new japan then we want you here 12 months a year makes sense think that absolutely plays into it as well um i I started off my day yesterday 10 o'clock in the freaking morning here in iowa and i'm watching shimmer 113 um you brought up dust she was absolutely the standout of the really the entire weekend thus far for me for talent that i wasn't exposed to prior to the weekend I, i tried to watch a whole bunch of weird stuff over the course of the last few days because I know how good Will Ospreay is. I don't need to see Will Ospreay versus Bandito because I know how good both of those guys are. I would rather watch like independent TV's family reunion and see a whole bunch of talents that I've never seen before. And I probably won't have a chance to see again for another year. It's just kind of yeah, my perspective. And that's, that's really what I watched or, you know, and maybe not so much of the talents, but even the shows that we recognize you know, that are being put on by some of the bigger names. I wanted, I wanted to seek out some of the smaller towns, especially, you know, early on, as I know, you know, is I'll be able to get caught up early here on Saturday. And I know things are going to really start picking up this afternoon, especially heading into tonight with MSG. And, uh, and then tomorrow's a good time to go back and catch up on some of those things as there isn't so much going on in the afternoon. Uh, but I do want to say, you know, across all of these days too, you know, we're, we're putting over, you know, outside of WWE, go find the little guy and all that. There's also some incredible action going on at Access, those that are not going to be a part of actual WrestleMania. I uh, sent you a picture earlier this morning from Luke Harper's match. Luke Harper looks freaking great. He looks very, very focused, and he's got his body in shape. He looks That's the best I've ever seen Luke Harper. Uh, well, he said he was coming in. Uh, this was a mission for him. Yep. He had a chip on that shoulder. He wanted to prove that he still belonged. He's going in there. He's Dijak, correct? Yeah. I haven't got the chance to see it yet. I saw the picture you sent me. He, it, just not just the shape that he was in, the intensity that you could just see. You could feel through the picture, through the image there. He's not fooling around. He, he's here to, to turn some heads and just remind people just how good he is. I also watched a bit of Chikara yesterday. Of course, we, we've heard that name come up on the show many a times now, and it's just as weird as it sounds. It's a, it's a very, very different kind of pro wrestling universe. Watched myself some Rev Pro yesterday because I wanted to see uh, Osprey and Tanahashi versus uh, Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. It's going to be a very, very long and torturous weekend for Will Osprey because I'm pretty sure he got a broken nose in that match. This match was basically Suzuki and Zack Sabre beating the ever-loving piss out of Will Osprey because Tanahashi He's old and those knees aren't very good. So, well, sorry, you're taking all the punishment in this match and Tanahashi comes in on the hot tag. That was pretty much the entire freaking match. Osprey was a bloody freaking mess. Well, someone tells Suzuki that he still wasn't at Bloodsport. My God. Suzuki is killing it in New York City this weekend. If there was any question that we need Suzuki in the garden tonight, the pops that he got at Bloodsport and the pop that he got at this Rev Pro show, put Suzuki in there because that place will come freaking unglued. Um, I did get to watch a little bit of stardom, which is where I saw dust in the semi main event. Um, a few issues with fight TV on that show as, uh, their feed dropped right at the end of the main event. So I'm still hoping to go back and catch that. Cause that was a really, really good match. Uh, stardom was a little bit weird though. Uh, th- this is the only show that I saw inside of this venue and Rick, they have black walls. 
and they have a black canvas and they have black ropes. It eats all of the light. You were talking about the presentation. Like some of these shows look really, really good, and some of these shows are like, "Damn, are you all wrestling in a warehouse?" Well, I think in some cases they might be covering up that they are. Yeah, that's very, very you, true. You know, real real estate in an area. What's a given? You know, how many shows we've got going on? I know a lot of them are sharing venues like that, but you know, it's hard to lock down positions like that. And you also try to do some things to make your product stand out. So it's not looking like everything else, you know, because at some point, as you said, you got 11 hours yesterday. You're probably going to be in for another eight hours today. At least I've got a whole bunch of stuff I want to see today. Uh, then obviously with WrestleMania, that that in itself is eight hours yeah. plus anything you want to do during the afternoon. So, yeah, I mean, at some point, everything kind of starts kind of blurring together. Like even the, with the stardom and Shimmer, I always, you know, get those kind of two confused with them because it, a lot of the same talents and For styles. For me, it's, and it's like always that. Shimmer and Shine. I get those two confused because the yes. names are so close. Yes. Uh, anything anything that you didn't really like? Um, The independent TV show. Uh, family reunion it, it not that it was a bad show it was just a lot of the talents felt like they were still very very early in their development which after watching shimmer just felt like this huge drop like the quality in wrestling was, was very very contrasting to me um and then of course i watched takeover and then this morning i watched a, a bit of the wrestlecon us versus the world but i mean I, I look at all these shows that i haven't gotten to see yet like i haven't gotten to watch w UXW yet. I haven't gotten to watch United We Stand from Impact Wrestling as of yet, although I've seen plenty of video clips. Uh, I haven't gotten to watch Joey Janela's Spring Break. I haven't gotten to watch. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm gonna. That's my next on my list. I think. Uh, DDT's Coming to America is getting great reviews. I want to check that out. Uh, Wrestle Pro, and I didn't get a chance to watch the MLW Battle Riot as of yet either. So I, I still have a ton of wrestling to watch over the course of this weekend. So, so what's going on? The only thing, and I don't want to say, I don't want to say it was bad. I want to stay really positive on some things here, but maybe it's just because it, it just wasn't my flavor. But I, I just didn't enjoy the penis party. Yeah, I could see it. Some of the clips I saw from the penis party were well, a bit it, out there. It, every, everything really, I mean, with the talents there, you, it was a different atmosphere for them. Everything was, it, it just was a little more comedy. It might have just been because, I mean, you couldn't go 10 seconds without a penis pun. Yeah, that's kind of the gimmick, though. I, I get that. But I think you know, there's a point where, you go back to less is more, you know, really hammered home, make it good when you do it. Uh, you know, they had what really lost me is when, you know, Mundo impact. He's wrestling as Johnny penis, Johnny penis. <laughs> well, even to me, all right, come, oh, up with, that's come, up great. With come up with something a little better, you know, get a little more Johnny creative. package. <laughs> yeah. I see. I would have liked that Johnny full package or something like that would have been a little more clever. Oh. Uh, I, they did do instead of the uh, penis druids. Uh, Priscilla Kelly was on hand, and she had the uh, the bloody druids, the bloody tampons, led her to the ring. Yeah, once I saw Priscilla Kelly was going to be on that show, and it was being presented by Joey Ryan. Obviously, I was. Th this does not sound like something I want to watch. Yeah, they were all in a. It was uh, Scarlet, Priscilla Kelly. I can't remember the other. The other girl in the finals with her, she was pretty entertaining because her whole thing was she was kind of like the heavy set girl that just had the big man crush. So she was trying to get into to Joey's pants the whole time. She was feeling the 
uh, he was teaming with uh, Val Venus as well. So you had oh Val in there doing his 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 little stick. And are there are there any talents that you're just tired of seeing already? Like I think I've seen all ego Ethan Page wrestle like nine matches already this weekend. I'm going to say this. This is going to sound crazy. The Lucha Brothers. Yeah. They're, they're, they're so overexposed at this yes. point, man. It, 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 I feel like they have been on every other show that I've seen or heard about. We have talked about this before, especially with Pentagon and Phoenix, that they are just overexposed at this point because literally I don't have to tune in to see them wrestle because I can turn on the TV tomorrow and see them wrestle. There's, there's way too much supply and not nearly enough demand. Uh, that'll be the little interesting thing. Uh, are you going to do that again this year where you kind of see who worked the most or uh, kind of tally ego, it up? All ego Ethan Page is wrestling the most matches this weekend. Wow. He's he's taking the taking the crown from the Lucha Brothers. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Who was it last year? Was it Riddle that was all over the place? Uh, it was Riddle last year and it was Osprey two years ago. Okay. Gosh, it's crazy that we can go back that far already. Um. One thing that I am having a little bit of an issue with, and and this is the reason that I haven't went out of my way to watch United We Stand yet, because I've I've heard this comment a few times that, yeah, there was some good wrestling on the show, but it it wasn't necessarily a canon style show. And and we're seeing this a lot. And Rick, this is kind of how I want to compare everything else that I've watched over the course of this weekend to NXT. It's like when you when you buy a band's greatest hits album versus buying like The Who from Tommy and you're just listening to a great freaking album. It's like I'm getting greatest hits left and right, you know, and I'm getting all these high spot matches left and right. And then I watched Takeover last night and Takeover was just an incredible show. We talk about how they lay out cards all the time. The pacing of these shows, Takeover was this was a damn near a perfect show all the way around. Well, and this this is kind of lends to I don't want to say the, the argument, but the great debate that that we regularly have with uh, Billy Ray Valentine about you know novelty acts that that'll draw you in. Great, we're seeing some. Oh, I like both of these names. Let's see what they do. But you don't get that little extra umph. You don't have that spice that makes it extra nice with the, with the, the emotional investment. And that's what took NXT takeover to the next level. This is insane. Um, because I'm just going to, I'm going to go ahead and give you the face slap ratings for all of these matches. And I guess you can disagree with me and then we'll go into all these matches individually. The NXT tag team championship match. I have it four and a half face slaps. North American Championship, four and a quarter face slaps. The UK Championship, four face slaps. The Women's Championship, three and a half. And then the NXT Championship at four and three quarters. Like, on average, this is like a four and a half star show. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not really big into the rating system, so we'll roll with yours. But yeah, through each of these, I, I, I really enjoyed the matches. And I didn't think... Each match hit a level, hit a certain excitement level without really exposing anything else that we were going to see down the line. I really liked the pacing, like how they changed the flow right there in the middle with the uh, with the NXT UK match. Really just shook up, you know, what we were watching in styles, and then they let it go back to what 
you know, what they had presented in the opening match. Uh, all around, they, they, you know, whoever really, the agents working together on this one, overall structure, you got to believe it was Uncle Paul overseeing everything there, but it's just a tremendous job. And it helps when it's only five matches. That absolutely helps versus trying to put together a 17-match card. Right. You know, and by that time, and that's, you know, that also lends to this thing. At five matches, what do you think they could have gotten away with? Maybe one or two more before they start getting the overexposure where it just becomes tasking. Yeah, probably. And that's the problem with WrestleMania now. It's, you know, it's that grand spectacle. But what are we up to now there? Like seven, like you said, 17 match. I think they're, and I know we got two battle Royals, but they're pushing like a hundred superstars that'll be participating on that show. Well, it was like last night, you made the comment that you had to go to the bathroom with your laptop. There's going to be plenty of piss breaks on WrestleMania. There wasn't one on takeover last night. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to get away and it's, you, you don't want to because it's must-see television. You don't want to miss anything. You blink. Uh, a three count or a, you know, a huge spot or just a, a turning point in the storytelling that's happening. Yeah, really, really good stuff out of NXT last night. Let's talk about the card. The NXT Tag Team Championship successfully defended by the artist formerly known as War Machine. They take down the Flying Dutchman, 18 minutes and 39 seconds. Rick, I I thought this was about as good of a face versus face matchup. We're just fighting for a prize. We have a lot of respect between all four of us. I thought this was about as good of a job as you could do with that kind of a dynamic inside of the ring, let alone to pull it off for 18 minutes and 39 seconds. If you had your money on this match starting off with scientific technical chain wrestling, you are the winner, and I'm pretty sure that you're the only person on the face of the planet that thought that this is how this match was going to start off. I was going to say, uh, that person and the one person still with a perfect bracket. Yeah, <laughs> right? You're the only two of your kind left left on the earth. Hey, but I, I love that. What a great, what a great shakeup. Everyone thought this thing was either going to just be violence or high flying. And they came out and completely, completely took you off your game, which, which when they got into those different styles, it really elevated it. You know, that that's when that the crowd really came alive. We had been talking for weeks that this whole thing ultimately, you know, was maybe that they weren't going to win here, but it was more about ricochet and black. But we've been talking about that for a while because they've been getting all this love across all the brands. What I really took from this match is they showed me that I was wrong. I, I missed I missed what was happening. This was about the War Raiders and reestablishing, reestablishing that division down there. Uh, I feel once again that that division has elevated itself to uh, you know to the talk of the town within all of WWE couple of spots that absolutely stood out. Number one, I thought there were it, this got to be a little too spot festy for me uh, at a couple of points. But there was a couple of spots like when when Hansen goes up and he tries to hit Ricochet with a flying cross body and Ricochet catches Hansen. I was just like, get the fuck out of here. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Now, granted, that might be a planned spot. But Ricochet still has to catch that flying motherfucker. Holy shit. Right. And, I, you know, and when we get to the, when you talk about the spots, everyone was expecting what we would get from Ricochet and Black. 
But the War Raiders took it to another level. I mean, they just went out there and absolutely blew people away with their athleticism and, you know, and their aerial assault, if you will. Yeah, there, there was a couple of moves inside of this thing that I put on my list of things to not do in my life. Like a lot of what happened to Ricochet in the course of this match from the hands of Hanson and Rowe. You know, when I was talking about how, what this did and what the big plan overall, I absolutely, you know, this is one of those things like let something play out and then reassess it really was a thing of beauty. I know a lot of people were, uh, you know, there's times I didn't feel it as well. You know, why are they tagging together? What's the point of this thing? But they went up and they, sh- they wowed the masses. Those that don't know anything about NXT, they've been doing that for months now, right? Two months. Yeah. They've been wowing those masses each and every time out. Hopefully, hopefully so many of those eyes followed those two to NXT, and now you've just established War Raiders on top of hanging out for the rest of that card. Yeah. I can't believe that Ricochet and Aleister Black have a match tomorrow after that match that they went through last night. And I absolutely expect them to win those championships now after what they went through last night. Uh, after the match, we get the big sign of respect from... Well, the- and, oh, sorry. I mean, and again, if they win that match tomorrow, what does that say for the NXT Tag Championships? Yeah, that's a valid point. Well, we talked about this, too. Through the course of the Dusty Classic, there was a lot of people that didn't like Ricochet and Aleister Black beating established tag teams. And we had pointed out this is kind of like, you know, The Rock and Austin teaming up to go after tag titles. You know, We had seen this over the course of history before. You're talking about two guys at the top of the card getting put together, and they're beating lower-level tag teams. They finally ran into a real tag team in the War Raiders. So I don't have any issue with any of the story that was told or this result. None. Right. Well, I mean, this would have been, you know, like kind of, uh, we can't speak to the magnitude, but like the mega powers running through other tag teams, but when they get to the British Bulldogs, they get put down. Yep, exactly. That's exactly the story that they've told for the last couple of months. Uh, after the match, we get the big sign of respect from uh, the artist formerly known as War Machine to Alistair Black and Ricochet. War Machine makes their exit, and they let Ricochet and Alistair Black have their moment in the ring. What did you think of this kind of curtain call scenario? Well, you know, again, this thing, this wasn't built on any true hatred or even ill will towards the other one. I mean, these guys have went to literally went to war together in war games. Right. So this is the ultimate respect. And we knew going in, the announcement was made. This is their last go around. They're taking the titles or nothing, or, or they're just see, you know, on the way out the door. So I think this was, a, was a fitting exit. And I don't think it was like overkill. It was a good match. We're, well, no, we're going to keep rolling. I, I, I guess I'm referring more so to the moment with Aleister Black and Ricochet with the crowd and oh, the crowd okay. acknowledging. I, I talking that, about like the, no, I was the talking about with the Raiders. No, no. The actual curtain call moment with Ricochet and Aleister Black. Ricochet's in freaking tears. Um, It, it just felt too much. And I, I, I don't like this thing that we do in NXT when it's like, oh, congratulations, you've now graduated after taking this terrible loss. I, I, I just don't like the whole dynamic of it. Well, I think it's a case that we see it so regularly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going back to, you know, one that really, I think, 
killed it for me was Sasha Banks. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, really, because she was working as a, a heel, an you know, an over-the-top heel in a blood feud with Bailey, and then immediately she's over there hugging the super fan. Her and Bailey are all forgiving one another. So it, I guess maybe it fits it fits Ricochet, but I don't think it fits the black character in any way. Like I'm all for doing that stuff at full sale off camera. But right. I, I don't need it at a takeover after a match like that. The NXT North American Championship, 17 minutes and 35 seconds. Velveteen Dream somehow defeats Matt Riddle. Even though Matt Riddle beat the ever-loving piss out of the Velveteen Dream, everybody knew Matt Riddle was going to win this match, and Velveteen rolls him up and gets the 1-2-3. I thought this thing was masterfully done all the way around, with the exception of Velveteen Dream doing the Hulk Hogan thing. I, I, I could get past this whole Hulk Hogan-Velveteen Dream thing, but I thought Matt Riddle was really, really good in this match. Even teasing a bit of a heel turn inside of this match and then pulling it back at the end. You get the big fist bump from the Dream. Matt Riddle seemingly has earned Velveteen Dream's respect. Not only did Dream say his name, he actually acknowledged him after the match. This thing ain't over, Rick. This is just the beginning of what I think could be a career-long feud between the Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle. You know, just from the get-go, Dream's out there doing his act. I absolutely love the body language from Riddle. He's just over in the corner, just like taking it all in, like, fuck yeah, bro. Yeah, this <laughs> is pretty cool, bro. All right, yeah, this is all right. You ready to go here shortly? You know, he, he, like, he wasn't really over phased by it. He was just kind of, he was just him, man. He was just cool-ass Riddle. But, I mean, we knew coming into this match, if Dream was going to win this match, he had to outsmart the original bro. Like, there was, there was no way, move for move, he could get in there and go with Matt Riddle and that was very much the story they told here. Well, and that was perfect. You know, but you go to it. What I really like is it's kind of that reverse story where Dream was kind of in that spot, you know, where he was getting outsmarted. Just I would come up short. He'd have somebody on the ropes. You know, you thought this is Dream's moment, this Dream's moment. And then boom, they'd get him. He'd make a mistake or something like that. And, we're, and the roles were reversed here. He caught, he caught Riddle. And Riddle just took it. Riddle acknowledged it. And he was like, all right, you got me, bro. Yeah. Immediately afterwards, he's like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) That that, that was pretty much his demeanor after the match. Oh, shit. Yeah. Loved it. I I love the body language from him. Uh, and, And exactly right. You know, Dream moves on. He gets that first, that first big defense here, which was right. It wasn't the right time to make this change. These two, I think, I don't know, and I think you're right, though. It could be revisited as that is that long, long, long-term feud. I mean, this thing could move across brands for you. Yeah. Like- ultimate, ultimately become a WrestleMania match or something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, both of these guys are still so young, too. Like, you could be talking about this matchup in the main event of WrestleMania 45. Like, right. you could tell this story over a decade if they're smart about it. Uh, I wonder in the short term, you know, as I we were talking on the preview, how do we see it playing out? I wonder if Riddle gets him in the June takeover and then Dream moves on to Gargano. 
that very well could be. Um, or, I, or the championship picture, you know, whoever might be there. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pencil these guys in as early contenders for next year's Dusty Tag Team Classic. I think we could go there as well. Not only against each other, but together. It's a regular story that they use in the Classic. Yep. Mutual respect. Uh, speaking of guys that I, I don't know if there's mutual respect, but that holy shit. Walter Pummels, poor Pete Dunn, 25 minutes and 28 seconds. Pete Dunn's chest is now made out of hamburger Four face laps. Uh, this was kind of Walter's coming out party to the WWE universe. Rick, I love this match. It seems that there's a lot of people on the interwebs that did not like this match. Where do you stand on it? Well, I mean, what are, what's, what's the gripes against it here? I, I mean, what are you reading? I'm reading most, I think most of it is the UK style. Like I have made this comment to you before. I'm not a big fan of the UK style. It's just not my flavor of professional wrestling. I can watch a Marty Skrull match. I can watch a Zack Sabre Jr. match. I can watch Pete Dunne versus Walter, but I don't want to watch an entire card of it. That's just my personal taste. And I think there was a lot of people that in watching this match, they just don't get the UK style. And I think it was a bit too methodical for them. I don't think they understand Walter. Um, I, as much as his presentation comes across to me on TV that he's just a big, badass monster dude who's going to pummel you into submission, I don't think people are getting it on on the American level. Well, I'm, you know, I'm quite surprised to hear something like that because I, I thought, as you said, I mean, this is an overkill. They're giving you one change of pace. They're giving you one match that you know showcases the UK style. It, it, it took me, it took a little bit for UK style to grow on me, but hey, over the last couple of weeks, I've I've really gravitated towards it. Uh, to me, it's more of a blend of today's. North American indie style and traditional pro wrestling. We do have a bit of, you know, that just power essence where, you know, to tell a story in there, you know, the big guy chopping down, you know, just it brutally abusing Pete Dunn here, but the Pete got his licks in. I mean, there was a couple times in there. You could, you were believing he could pull this thing off. He could sway this thing in his favor. He could get, you know, pick his number at any time here. That was quite believable. But then, but then real quickly, you know, Walter would bring you back down to earth and realize, I don't know if Pete's going to be able to topple this mountain. Also here, what I really enjoyed is they each look like professional wrestlers to me. You know, even in the size difference, I can look at someone like Pete Dunn. I know what he is capable of inside that ring. You know, it's, I, I had that same belief within me of the same as when I would watch Taz. Yeah. That, that, that's very much the presentation of Pete Dunn. He's very much like Taz. Yeah. So even though Walter is this, you know, behemoth, uh, just, you know, just hovering over Pete Dunn here and he's absolutely destroying him. You believe at any, at any moment, Pete has enough in him to overcome this thing. I, I thought it was a perfect placement on the card. You open up with that high octane opener. Uh, you get more of a, you know, the ground and pound in that second match. People are familiar with those two. They're real high on the showmanship of the dream. What's the future for the bro? I love this change of pace here. You know, it, it took you in a different direction. And I don't want to say in some sense it, it brought people. It wasn't a down match, 
but it was more of a back to earth match, if you will. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good explanation. Uh, let's talk about what's next for both of these guys. Are you expecting Pete Dunne Monday or Tuesday? Because what's left for Pete Dunne inside of NXT UK other than a rematch with Walter, which I think you get regardless if Pete Dunne is on Raw or SmackDown Monday or Tuesday? Well, I mean, why does he have to go to the red or blue? Can he just go to the North American NXT? I, I feel like that's a waste of his time, honestly, at this point. I mean, he's a 685-day WWE UK champion. He's been on Raw or SmackDown, maybe both, before. I, I, I feel like he just well, bypasses the thing, NXT North America. The only America. thing, if he, go, if he goes to NXT North America, he immediately needs to go into the NXT title picture. There is no working your way up. We've already seen that the North American and UK championships are on the same level. So that'd just be a lateral move. If he's going there, he'd go straight at Gargano. Yeah, which I I would be all for that matchup. I, I think the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to get a rematch of Pete Dunne versus Walter at the next UK takeover, which it sounds like is eminent from uh, Triple H's media call here a week ago. So I wonder, do they hold him off on that? Because uh, obviously we've heard the rumors that he's not so big on the idea of making the move. Maybe they give him a little bit of time to transition. Uh, but ultimately, coming from that UK championship, I, I, I'm thinking about it here. I'd rather see him go to, at this current state, SmackDown and jump right into the U.S. title picture. You get, Give me Joe and Dunn. Yeah. That's a give match me, I can give me Joe. Give me Joe. Maybe you hold off on Pete Dunn making that move. You don't do one of those big surprises right after Mania. Uh, maybe hold off till the summer, and then you give me a hey, give me at SummerSlam Samoa Joe, United States Champion against Pete Dunne, the former UK Champion. That's a real nice undercard match for SummerSlam. Uh, let's talk about the NXT Women's Championship. This one, I think, was probably the surprise of the night. Shayna Baszler retaining the NXT Women's Championship against Bianca Belair, Kyrie Sane, and Io Shirai. 15 minutes and 43 seconds. I think this is widely accepted that this was probably the worst matchup on the show. And it was still, in my mind, a three and a half star match. I thought as far as WWE four ways go and all the cliches that come with the four ways, people laying outside, taking a nap so two people can face off inside the ring, all the all the the tropes that come with a fatal four way. I thought this was a really good fatal four way. Yeah. And immediately, you know, some people, uh, as soon as you see WWE fatal four way, you kind of, uh, because you don't trust that they're going to get it right. I thought this was one of the better ones that they've had here. Yeah, I agree. And it, 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 we'll even go with some of the gripes. We were having a, a little live discussion amongst uh, the HTM fellas, and all of us were enjoying the show together. And you know, It goes back to uh, Big Joe over at Turnbuckle Talk. He, he hates the queen, it. man. He hates absolutely. the queen. Well, just not her. It's just he hates that style inside professional wrestling. But he loves himself some Matt Riddle. He's a bromo. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to stick. But anything, (laughs) Big Joe, hear me out here. Like the last thing he was really griping on. She don't even know how to do a properly executed body slam. She's not supposed to throw that kind of body slam. She comes from a different world where they throw slams other ways. She's using her style. It's supposed to look that way. 
everything with her is not supposed to be the Chris Moshe you're used to from professional wrestling because she's not a professional wrestler. That's the point. I'm still stuck on Joe being a bromo. <laughs> uh, let, let, let's talk about the Sky Pirates a little bit. Dude, um, don't be a, a bromophobe. <laughs> let's talk about the Sky Pirates. Oh, that's so fantastic. Uh, Kyrie and EO, they, they, they had their own little story going on inside of this match where they were very much working together. Their tandem offense is just fantastic. I love the Sky Pirates together. Please, God, give them the women's tag team championships. But we got a bit of a tease of dissension between Kyrie and EO with Kyrie breaking up a pin that EO had and EO breaking up a pin that Kyrie had. And it was like, I didn't want to have to do this, but now I've gone and done this. So... Let's do this. And, and we get a little bit of a tease of the breakup of the Sky Pirates. Where does the story go with these two, Rick? Do, do we put them inside of the women's tag team division and have them chase whoever comes out of this matchup at WrestleMania? Because we know that those titles are going across all brands. I'm ready for to take Kyrie and EO out of the NXT women's championship picture at this point and feature them in that way. Uh, I'm with you, and you're right. Uh, there has been history there that a lot of NXT fans are unfamiliar with, and they were kind of hinting at those stories. It's going to be great when it happens. Through the commentary. I'd hold off on that one. I'm with you as we're looking at some major matches for the next TakeOver. Can you imagine for those set of tapings, sending Sasha and Bailey back there to full sale and then putting that match on you know, the June TakeOver card? Absolutely. Which, by the way, is in San Jose, Bailey's hometown. Oh, I mean, that's just, I mean, I, I just a little, another ingredient for the perfect storm. I mean, that thing could happen anywhere. Well, and, I mean, but and we've talked before that this is going to be an interesting one because there's not a WWE event running the Sunday after this takeover. They actually have to sell tickets for this thing. Bailey making her return to NXT in her hometown. That'll sell some tickets well yeah it's just just not that it's her hometown you've got recognizable names to complement all these great nxt talents uh and hey like them or not the wwe universe loves sasha banks and bailey and they love them together people will flock to them the kids love them you're gonna sell tickets with those too especially if they can go out there that weekend with it being bailey's hometown and hit all that pr circle for a week for you and then, hey, yes, they said it's going to happen. It's going to go across to all brands. The, the WWE Women's Championships are coming to NXT. I mean, that's that's a major marquee match down there. Yeah, absolutely. And that could kind of, when you're looking at the, the layout of that next TakeOver card, it would make sense. On this show, we had five championship matches. It would make sense to have the NXT tag titles, the North American title, the women's tag titles, the women's championship, and the NXT championship as your five matches for TakeOver you just San swap, Jose. You just swap out, swap out the women's for the, for the UK championship. Yep. Makes all the sense in the world. I'm going with Boston Hug Connection to retain tomorrow now. Absolutely. Um, then we have Shayna Baszler and Bianca Belair, which I, I felt were really the focus of this thing, but we couldn't do that match again because we did it in Phoenix. But now we're seeing Bianca Belair as her more heel persona. I thought she was much better in this match than she was up in the match in Phoenix. 
but it ends the same way with Shayna Baszler tapping out Bianca Belair. Once again, no longer undefeated, even if it is a mindset, because she straight up tapped. Uh, what do we do next with the Queen of Spades and the EST of NXT? Is it time that we just call Bianca up? Because what more do you do with her in NXT now that she's tapped to Baszler twice? Well, here's your tricky part, though. You know, it all depends on what the future holds for Baszler. And I was one of the I was one of those people going in this thing. I thought Baszler was going to retain. I think there's more work with her right now. But here's one thing I did find maybe a, a little interesting through the commentary. And it, they didn't go overboard with it, but there were subtle mentions of this thing. Uh, and it was putting over Baszler as the most dominant reign, or is she, is she approaching Asuka's? Can we have the conversation? Which got me thinking, you know, she Can we emerged. have the match? Jesus. Well, I mean, what a great program that could cross brands. You could go to NXT and SmackDown with that. That should have been your SmackDown Women's Championship match at uh, WrestleMania. Uh, right. I mean, but you need something big coming out of WrestleMania. And so they went in there riding. They thought, well, all right, we've got two programs here. Let's put in some importance on the women's tag division, which they've done, which building that four away. And obviously, what is the main event in the triple threat? Unfortunately, there, Asuka, SmackDown, Women's Championship, that got kind of dismissed. But we do need things to get excited for coming out of Mania. This potentially could be one of those. Could we tell a story, maybe via the Superstar Shakeup, maybe they could pull this off. Could we tell a story where Asuka gets sent back to NXT? where she's, she's been this miserable failure on the main roster and they just acknowledge that on TV and they send her back to NXT? And could you get Asuka and Baszler inside of NXT? No, because I, to me that gives the impression that she has to go back to the minors. Like you got your call up, it didn't work, You're sending, we're sending you back down, kid. You got to ride the bus and triple A. Yeah. I, I would rather go, I'd rather go with, let's look at the mindset of Baszler. She doesn't appreciate it when she's not being praised. So let's play up this. Can we start talking about your reign as one of the greatest? That would eat at her like, no, it is. What are you talking about? I am the most dominant. This reign is the most dominant. And you and you always have that though because Baszler has lost that belt before. Baszler's been beaten in NXT. Asuka never was. Now on the flip side of that, you know, even with Baszler's resume, her background she still came in very green to professional wrestling, where Asuka was a, a well-established global star that just continued her dominance. So there's two different parallels you could draw there. You could almost have Baszler go on the hunt for Asuka. Like, I need to beat you to prove this, to you know, to put everything to rest that I am the greatest NXT women's champ. And then Asuka, you know, in return, you know, she she always had that love there. It was the injury and the timing that she left. Of course, there is another story we can tell with Shayna Baszler, and we'll talk about that after we talk about the main event. Of course, Johnny Gargano, Johnny Champion, capturing the NXT Championship, the vacant NXT Championship from Adam Cole. Two out of three falls. I got this thing at four and three quarters, man. This was a fantastic match. There was a couple of things that just did not work inside of it. Um, I guess we'll start with... Fall number one, Adam Cole defeats Johnny Gargano. That fall comes at 13 minutes and 56 seconds. 
Gargano then captures the second fall, 20 minutes and 53 seconds, which I thought was fantastic. Adam Cole tapping out as fast as he possibly could because he wanted to save it for the third fall. Great psychology. And then we have Johnny Gargano capturing the championship in 38 minutes and 12 seconds. Um, I, I felt like this was going to be three matches going into it. I, no matter how you want to lay out a two out of three falls match, it feels like three different matches. The first matchup with Adam Cole winning felt completely logical to me. Johnny is the underdog of all underdogs, and now the odds are stacked against him. He's got to beat Adam Cole twice. Just made all the sense in the world to me. But there was a good case that it seems a lot of people wanted Johnny Gargano to win that first fall. Rick, how did you feel about the first third of the match? Well, I was going to say, right from the get-go, it almost looked like they were going to have a wrench thrown in their plans. That audience was pro Cole. They, they were Cole crazy. Yeah, that, that was a pop like they, for Adam Cole. Holy it, shit. Well, and it carried on. You know, just outside of the Bay Bay pop, I mean, it carried on for a little while. You, you had that impression that, ah, shit, because commentary was staying strong on Gargano, the underdog. But the audience was not reacting that way. You had kind of, you know, in the live discussion, had questioned, are they going to change this thing on the fly? Well, are they are they ready for something like that? Yeah, and do they even have that kind of clearance? That that was right. really my question. Even if they wanted to, could they inside of NXT? Well, um, yeah, you know, it's not like a situation where you got Rock and Hogan where they can go out there and they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to flip this thing around on the fly here. But right. they stayed true to it. Commentary stayed true to it, and I think with the way this thing was told, with Cole grabbing that first pinfall. And Cole being so masterful and getting that heat back, that audience came back around. The other thing that really, really kind of you had to remove yourself from the moment because it was striking how pro Adam Cole that crowd was. But when you really stop and think about the story of Johnny Gargano and the and the travels that he has been on over the course of the last year, Johnny Gargano kind of deserved that. And NXT kind of deserved that for thinking that we could just forget about everything that's happened over the course of the last year. And all of a sudden, we're just back to Johnny wrestling over the course of two weeks. Well, you also got to look at, too, there's a lot of homebodies that still from New York that, you know, that are at these events. And Cole made his name on the East Coast. Yeah. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania born, uh, but, you know, came up on those East Coast promotions where Johnny was Midwest. Yeah, you know, had this had this thing happened in you know Chicago, if you will, it probably would have been a lot of the fans there that have come from that Midwest area would have been more accepting of the story of okay, we'll go back to Johnny wrestling. Johnny Gargano getting the second fall, it felt like this is really where the crowd started to just embrace the story that they were being told um, with, with Adam Cole tapping out very quickly, which I thought was just a genius move out of Adam Cole. And I love that they actually put over in the commentary. He was too far away from the ropes. He knew he might as well just tap out, save it for the third fall. I thought this thing was genius the way the second fall came together. Yeah, I, I like it too, you know, and it, it helps when they kind of let you know, if you're not putting the, you know, if you're not putting the pieces to the puzzle together, this is why you do that so quick because you're trying to save yourself. You know, you got to have one more in you. You've already shown that you can get one pinfall on your opponent, so now get that next one. Don't, don't allow yourself to sustain so much damage that's going to harm you when trying to move forward for that, you know, that sudden death pinfall. 
So Gargano captures the championship after one of the most insane series of near falls going back and forth that I think I've ever seen. Uh, This thing had everybody going. There was a couple of these where you thought for sure Adam Cole had this thing in the freaking bag. At one point, God, he what? Super kicks Johnny Gargano three times and then knees him in the back of the head and Johnny kicks out at two. What we're talking about, the body language from from Riddle earlier. I mean, the body language from Cole in this thing, you know, especially after the three triple, you know, the uh, super kicks and then the one to the back of the head and the kick out and he sits up and his look on his face and he actually, you could read his lips. What the fuck? You know, what do I have to do? This was a knock that I'd seen on this match. And it's something that we're seeing each, you know, that we're, that's a growing issue. And I guess, I guess, in some ways, rightfully so, but people need to understand the moment here. Oh, false finishes. I mean, how much is too much? That's the point of a moment, like a main event on a marquee event, like a takeover or going back to Taven and Lethal. This is a story of you want it so bad. This is something in life, just not a championship. This is just an accomplishment in life. Something, a ceiling you're trying to break through that you are willing to do anything and nothing is going to stop you. That is a story that all of us can feel in any walk of life, just not sports. You know, any kind of professional, personal, everyone has been there. And if you haven't, then I feel sorry for you that you can't relate to that story. Hopefully you'll get there and you'll understand it. And that goes back to what I don't think they gave away too much throughout this thing that it took away from these finishes at the, at the end of it. Yeah. I, I, I thought this entire thing was just fantastic. The way that they put everything together. Um, and then afterwards we get a, basically a bit of a curtain call for Johnny Gargano. Candice LeRae comes out and I, I heard somebody on another podcast. I'm sorry. I don't remember what his name was um, said that Candice LeRae has become like the salt and pepper for Johnny Gargano. Like no matter what, the moment is no matter how great the moment is you add Candice LeRae and it just makes it better and and that shot of the two of them which will probably be actually the cover photo for this podcast is absolutely fantastic they they, they go back up the ramp after having their moment in the ring and then the greatest sports entertainer of all time Tommy Entertainment comes out and joins Johnny Gargano on the stage and congratulates his friend on becoming the new NXT championship. I'm sure setting up visitation rights for Goldie. Um, And we all were holding our breath, weren't we? Oh, I think so. You were expecting it, it, weren't you? Is it going to happen? He's not really going to grab him and throw him into the fucking video board, is he? Well, even, is he? Even, even during, when the copyright comes up now, you don't think that's it because we've seen him do it before. Oh, th- it was such a great moment. Yeah, but then even better is you don't know which one was going to do it to who. We were Candace is going to do it to both of them. <laughs> you don't know whose turn it is this time. The only I, complaint that I had about that moment was Candace hugging Champa. That seemed weird because of, of the way that this story has been told where Candace has been against this ever since the very very beginning that was a little too much for me but i understand it hey I, yeah, but here's the beauty of this i mean what chaos will ensue where are we going here i mean she johnny might not have known he was coming out maybe candace invited him there 
Well, you know, we, we could let this whole thing play out here because ultimately, I mean, these guys, it's good friends, better enemies. You don't know what's going to happen. I absolutely love this moment. And this this really tells you look forward to something, you know, possibly next year when this thing really comes full circle. OK, so now let's circle back to Shayna Baszler. We see that Candace has embraced this. She's listening to the champ. She's falling in line. It's time for Candice LeRae to win the NXT Women's Championship. Johnny has went and achieved his dream. Now it's time for Candice. It's time for Candice to refocus and win that goddamn championship. Okay. Uh, I could get behind that. So let's go back to you questioning her her willingness to embrace Ciampa. What if you keep, you know, Ciampa, you're saying that. How entertaining he is. What if you keep him active within the product? He becomes her trainer. Yes, exactly. I want Ciampa cornering Candice LeRae to take care of those other two horsewomen, make sure they're not going to interfere. Candice needs somebody in her corner, and it should be Tommaso Ciampa. Well, and then let's go one step further here. As they're training, you go back to you, you regularly praised. Uh, the vignettes with Baszler and her MMA-style training going into the Bianca Belair match. Let's do that with Candice. Let's almost have like where, you know, she goes into a dungeon-type atmosphere with Joppa to train for this, to get her ready to make a run. Because right now, I mean, they need – outside of – you know, we kind of pitched Asuka there. Inside of what we have existing in NXT, there's absolutely no one you know, that, that has built up any credibility to go challenge for her right now. It needs to be Candice LeRae. I, I'm still saying, I'm still saying Monday night, I want Baszler to show up with the other two on raw and go firing squad on Rhonda and kick her out of WWE. So one final thing, Rick, before we wrap up this, uh, takeover breakdown, Tommaso Ciampa has taken to Twitter and he says the best wrestler alive the greatest sports entertainer of all time. We are DIY. We are NXT. And one of us is the real NXT champion. Is this where the story is going to go now? Is Johnny going to be the disputed NXT champion? Oh, well, I think, uh, I mean, naturally that's the story we have, right? Well, yeah, but the problem is we're, t- we're talking 10 to 14 months for Ciampa to return. In my mind, that was all. I mean, not that Johnny has to hold the championship that long, uh, but it should be in his possession when Ciampa comes back. I mean, the story writes itself to come full circle here. It's going to be interesting to see how this thing unfolds. Who does Johnny Gargano go to next? Who will be the next contender for Johnny Gargano? Well, it's, you know, when we look at the next go around and how good this match was, I mean, would you see a rematch at the, where we're going to wait till June or are we going to get this out of taping? I think that we, I think the rematch goes down in June. Um, the problem is while we have a lot of talent inside of NXT, we don't have a whole lot of main event star power inside of NXT. Adam Cole chasing Johnny Gargano seems almost like a story that writes itself as well, simply because who else is going to do it when you have dream and riddle wrapped up with the North American championship, you would have to elevate somebody like Dijakovic. 
and he doesn't feel like he's to that spot yet right there yet. And yeah, and that is, you know, it's, there's a, a, a lot of tremendous talent there, but when you, when we're talking about main event, you know, headlining these takeovers, you, you do run a little short, uh, which, which is the main reason, you know, that I have been questioning here, get one more out of dream and riddle and then put dream into that situation. I think, you know, and we've got that backstory where, where they can easily go to that. It, it almost feels like this is one of those spots where you, you wish that they just would have sat on EC3 a little longer as well. Yeah, that he would be one that you could absolutely pencil in. I mean, I mean, because especially if you want to continue to tell the underdog story of Johnny Gargano. Yeah. I mean, you put him in there against, you know, someone that's chiseled, you know, by the gods themselves in EC3, the one percenter representing everything that is completely the opposite of Johnny Gargano. Yeah, that would have been a great story. Um, I, I guess another option that's out there, uh, although I'm not particularly fond of it, uh, would be the time splitter. We saw the debut of Kushida tonight at TakeOver, or last night at TakeOver. Um, any chance that Kushida gets slid into that spot? I mean, at least he has the name recognition, but I don't like hot-shotting him into a main event by any means. And I am curious... Underdog versus underdog. Position to North America. Well, what that name, rec- you know, what that rain rec- recognition is going to truly mean. I think he's someone that you probably want to take your time crafting. And not just to introducing to the NXT fans, just not to the general WWE universe, but to introduce him to WWE, you know, management, agents, creative. Take your time because once once you throw him in the main event scene, you know, if he's not going to take that title and you're going to have to move him back down the car, he's going to get pushed quicker to the red or blue. And I mean, you're talking about throwing someone to the wolves at that point. Or, or even worse, 205 Live. So that's going to wrap I would, up. I have more faith in him at 205 Live than going over because at least you've got, you know, the performance center people that understand certain things with you as opposed to hitting the main road. And I would like to see Buddy Murphy and Kushida. I could get behind that matchup. So that's going to wrap things up for today's show. Huckleberry and I will be back tomorrow with your ROH G1 Supercard review. That's going to happen. Time to go watch a whole lot more wrestling. Until then, you can find us online, I guess now, at hittingthemarks.com. Hackerhameen.podbean.com will be in the locker room on Monday. That's a Hameen Media exclusive talking WrestleMania. Until then, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo and the Hami Media Discussion Group and the PW Hustle Discussion Group. Hell, Ryan K. Bowman of TheGorillaPosition.com decided to turn my personal post into a discussion group last night. Things were absolutely crazy. Find me at NotJargo. RBV, how do the people find you? Well, I can say, you know, I just realized here as you're laying all out there, four days of them HTM boys. Yeah. Four, four days of us over WrestleMania weekend. Uh, we're loving every bit of it. We hope you are. Do us a big favor if you're listening. Go ahead, share the post. Let people know why they should be checking out our products. You know, if it be just Jargo and myself, anything going on with the Hami Media Group, anything with our network, the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. 
especially with all the eyes that are on wrestling right now. Uh, please give us a share. Let people know why they should be checking us out. We appreciate all the support. If you're looking for some great chat, especially going tonight into Madison Square Garden tomorrow night at WrestleMania, make sure you're heading on over to Facebook. You, you can chat it up with us in the Hami Media Discussion Group. It's a gorilla position in their, in their discussion group. We've we got random things going on over to PW Hustle. We are all over the place. Or hell, you can just give me a follow on social media, across all social media platforms, at The Real RVD. Links to everything now at hittingthemarks.com. We'll talk to you tomorrow for the ROH G1 Supercard review. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Promo! Enable me. I don't give up. You bad guy!